0: What is going on, Nets fans? Thank you for tuning into the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. This is your new host, Cody Mallory. I am ecstatic to be joined by my fellow co-hosts who I've worked with a lot in the Nets world and who I've met through Twitter, Anthony Dittmar and Joe Farrow.
2: How's it going, fellas? How's it going, bro? How you doing? Good, good. How
1: you going, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. I'm pretty excited to start working with Hoop Ball Nets.
0: Yes, I'm very excited myself when they reach out to me. I knew it would be a good opportunity, and I immediately thought of you guys being my co-host. So, um, so to start, obviously, we're joining, we're recording Tuesday night, so we're 15 games into the season now. So before we end up talking about, like, Nets going forward and what have already happened, let's just do a quick introduction about each of us so that the people listening kind of know who they're listening to, our background, and where we come from. Anthony, if you wanted to start, and then Joe could follow you, and I'll go last.
2: Sounds good. Sounds good. So my name's Anthony. I'm 24 years old and from New Jersey. Been a longtime Nets fan since the mid 2000s. Went to my games at Izod Center, Prudential Center, and whatnot. Been a Brooklyn Nets fan through thick and thin. Currently going to Rutgers for my MBA in sports. Want to work for uh, in the sports industry. Currently work for Rutgers Athletics. Played baseball, basketball, and football when I was in high school. Basketball always been my passion. Love playing pickup. Other sports teams I like are the Yankees, Jets, and Islanders. Uh, my Nets fandom has always never wavered, and I've been a Nets fan of thick and thin. Worked with Cody and Joe at Brooklyn Breakdown and Brooklyn Netcast. I'm excited to bring you guys some content. Die am Brooklyn Nets fan.
1: Joe, if you want to just follow him.
2: Well, yeah, that's a bit hard to
1: follow, <laughs> but uh, I'm Joe. <laughs> 20 years old, Edison, New Jersey. Kind of in the same boat as uh, Anthony. Played a lot of football, baseball, basketball growing up. Uh, I, I Since I'm a little bit younger than these guys, my fandom for the Nets really started when they moved to Brooklyn. When I I was in like seventh grade at the time, really started picking up about what the Nets culture was about. I really started loving it. I am a survivor of the of the rough years over in Brooklyn, so <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> so it's very rewarding to see where we're at today, and I'm very excited to to work some more on some Nets content. Nice,
0: nice. So obviously, as I said before, my name is Cody. Um, I'm the oldest of the group. I'm 26. I actually went to college and got a degree in business, so I have nothing to do with sports media. I'm just a huge, avid Nets fan. I have been my entire life. Um, I fell in love with the Nets when I was younger, when they played in Jersey, specifically because of Jason Kidd. Um, Playing basketball my entire life, I was never the most athletic, fastest, didn't have the biggest vertical. But I always had a very high basketball IQ, and I kind of resembled my game off of Jay Kidd kind of doing a little bit of everything and getting my teammates involved. Um, living in Connecticut. I don't get to go to Nets games too often because the drive to Brooklyn is horrible and getting home at 3 a.m. and having to go to work isn't exactly exciting to me. Despite that, my favorite game that I've been to was the playoff game at Barclays against the Sixers. Um, it was the Jared Dudley and Ben Simmons fight.
2: So the Nets yes. lost the game.
0: But the game was incredibly exciting and it was the best atmosphere I have ever experienced at Barclays. I was also at the Bulls game seven when the Nets lost with Joe oh Johnson and <laughs> the streets of Brooklyn were chanting trade Joe Johnson after the game. <laughs> oh, man. So I've seen a lot of Brooklyn games um, and I'm just excited to dive more into the Nets with you guys and really kind of. See it from an analyst kind of perspective and not just as a fan.
2: The CJ Watson dunk is still haunting me.
0: (laughs) I'll (laughs) never forget that Bulls game. Joe Kim Noah after the game when they won ran around the stadium, going up to the fans, pulling out his shirt, like showing off (laughs) the Bulls part. And I've just, I've never had respect for him since.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That series took years off my life.
0: Oh oh man, yeah, that was horrible. But, um, Yeah, the Nate Robinson game was in that series, but let's move on from that. (laughs) Um, So like I said before, we kind of got started late into the season, filling in, taking over for people who used to cover the Nets for hoop ball, but dropped out. Um, So what is your guys' biggest takeaway so far from the season? 15 games in, what do you think the Nets' current state is, and what do you hope to see going forward? Joe, if you
1: want to start here, and then Anthony can follow. For sure. I mean, I think the most glaringly obvious one is that we have uh, 35 million sitting at home. <laughs> that's the most glaringly obvious take from here. But every, all the Kyrie stuff aside, it's uh, it's it seems like we're uh, lacking at the wing position. And that's definitely shown in some games offensively because we, we're stacked on defense with the wings. But... For offensive purposes outside of KD on the wing, it's just like we're not really getting much production from that point. Also, having guys in and out of the lineup at points, Claxton being sick, you know, which just a lot of a lot of guys still trying to find their exact role. And I think it still might take a little bit to really get all that rolling. Yeah, I agree completely. Anthony, if you want to go?
2: Yeah, so obviously, like you said, the Kyrie part is the most clear. And the obvious, obvious part, I think – Comparing us to last year's team, though, I think we took a complete 180 in terms of the roster outside of like the big stars. Last year, we're very offensive oriented and smaller, ran, running smaller lineups like Blake Griffin and Jeff Green at the five, or giving KD at times. And now this year, we kind of like switched over and got some bigs and Aldridge and Millsap. Obviously, we still have clacks. and I feel like we went from like offensive defense, losing guys like Shaman and Tyler Johnson for guys like Ben Bridge, Javon Carter, and James Johnson, and. I just feel like it's like a complete complete roster shakeup, and I feel like they took a little too much of a turn. I feel like at times there's not enough offensive firepower. We saw in some games this year against some of the more talented teams where there's there's not a lot lot of guys creating their own offense outside of, like, KD, Harden, and then you have, like, Aldridge and Mills in certain spurts, and Joe Harris, but in terms of, like wings like we definitely need more more ring talent i see like james johnson and jevon carter personally feel like waste of roster spots right now like carter brings it defensively sometimes but i feel like sometimes just not enough offense so i think they need to find a good balance i think the rotations are going to come there and hopefully and eventually we can see Kyrie back but that's something we'll have to wait on yeah so
0: the Kyrie situation i don't want to dive into on the first episode <laughs> Something that we can kind of monitor as the season goes on. Obviously, you don't want – forget the money. You just don't want that talented of a player sitting at home because obviously he could cover up a lot of flaws on the team, and that's kind of what the Nets did last year. They were weak defensively, but they were just so talented offensively with Kyrie Harden and Durant that they were able to cover it up. Um, Same thing with the rebounding. I still think they're weak this year on rebounding, and that's still an area they have to address, whether it's internally with getting on Sharp up to speed because I think he's a very aggressive and physical rebounder. So I think he could have an impact. But overall, my biggest takeaway is that the Nets right now are an average team. They beat the teams they're supposed to, and they struggle against the good teams of the league. Um, I actually have a quote from Matt Brooks on Twitter. He's with Nets Daily, one of my favorite reporters, beat reporters to follow. Uh, Steve Nash was asked a question about where the Nets stack up against the teams they've lost to. So the Warriors, the Bucks, uh, the Hornets. Bulls. And the Bulls. And he said, yeah, we're not in their caliber yet. So I think the Nets realize that they have some weaknesses they need to address. Um, realistically, the bad teams in the league that they've beaten on this mini win streak, like Detroit, Atlanta, um, Orlando, Orlando, New Orleans, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant could realistically beat them by himself. He's that talented that their defense will hold off and he'll be able to score enough points efficiently enough where he's going to beat those teams by themselves. But when you play the good teams that are going to put up 115, 120 on you, the Nets don't have enough offense, and they don't have enough shooting, which was very noticeable tonight with Joe Harris out of the game. And the Warriors are actually running a box and one and a triangle and two, which I don't think I've seen in an NBA game in quite some time. <laughs> and the Nets simply couldn't score just because they don't have shooting. So I think they need to address shooting, get one more playmaker, and the rebounding.
2: It's but funny that actually, it was I think the they're an
0: average. Right. I think they're an average to good team, and they're going to still be in the top of the East just because they're going to take care of the teams that they should beat. But I think they're going to struggle offensively against the elite teams. So I don't know there's anything you guys want to throw in or add to that or
1: disagree with anything I said. I, oh. I probably would just say who would have thought that the offense would be the issue this year. Right. Yeah. Going through the off season just I don't think anybody would have imagined that the offense would be the issue.
2: It's just wild to see.
0: Right. It's crazy. It's like Anthony said, it's a complete swap of what last season was.
2: And also like we're beating the bad teams this year and beating the good teams. It was funny last year we kept beating all the good teams and losing to all the bad teams. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: So I mean, what I said, uh, the obvious answer is Kyrie Irving pretty much solves playmaking and shooting, not so much rebounding, but you can't bank on that. So I think they need to address it elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think Tyler Johnson is a name that the Nets should be looking into personally, Mm -hmm. but we'll see what happens with that. Any other takeaways you guys want to talk about?
1: I I just loved to have TJ back. He was so good for us in the minutes that he was able to play.
2: Swap the jump. Yeah, he was
0: a pretty solid shooter.
1: He
2: could... I don't <laughs> miss.
0: Yeah, he yeah, and he he competed defensively too. So he was a little yes. smaller, but not like he was a liability on defense. He got in people's face and he competed. That's Good question.
2: Would y'all swap yes. the? Sh- would you reverse the Shamit trade if you could right now? No.
0: I would. Truthfully, I would. I think, without Kyrie, that Shannon would have a bigger role this year because he's I think a not think get. Guard.
1: I think you don't have Dayron Sharp. True. You don't have Dayron. Sharp. That's the only reason I keep it.
0: He would be... I, I think he'll be valuable in the future, but we'll just yes. let him play now.
1: Is no, he question. won't. Will he, <laughs> he let won't. Him,
0: will he? Will we see Dayron Sharp play 20 minutes a game towards the end of the season?
1: Probably I, not. In an ideal world, I would hope. I mean, if he's up to that level, that means he's doing something right if he's up to that level.
0: Right. Or so the forbid, only injury. But the only way I would say I'd rather have Dayron Sharp than Landry Shamet right now is if he helps them this season. I think the Nets window is like two to four years max, and they should be doing everything to win right now. And I think Shammit with his shooting would make a big impact for the Nets right now.
2: I totally Probably. agree. And also, I wonder. If you, if you think about it, if, the, if they saw how they moved Shamit because he was extension eligible, do you think if they would do the same thing this year dang, dangling Claxton to try to get like a winger, like a 3-and-D type of guy? Right,
1: yeah. They're absolutely going to try. They're absolutely going to try. I, I
2: wouldn't might be shocked be, for Devon.
0: I might, I might be one of the very few on Mets Twitter who doesn't love Claxton's game, truthfully. <laughs> I think he's good, but I definitely think he's very much overhyped, and if they can move him for a piece that would help them this year, I think they have to do it.
2: Jared Allen's yeah. two times the player he was at this point in his career, oh, yeah. I'm to keep it honest.
0: Yeah they're, just, yeah, the Cla- yeah, they're just not even close. <laughs> yeah, not and I feel like Claxton was never in game shape, like ever. No matter what part of the season it is, he's just never in game shape. Well, that's why he's coming back from that. Uh, not COVID-related, I should add, but I don't know. I think that Sean Marks has work to do for the trade deadline buyout market, and hopefully Kyrie Irving coming back at some point. But you guys want to dive into the <laughs> ass beating of the Nets Warriors that we watched <laughs> tonight?
2: Do we have to? I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I
1: don't think there's there's not much that's Talk about, talk about i think we could talk about the first half in confidence and then the second half
0: <laughs> i was messaging you guys being like all right we gotta pretend we're happy despite what happened tonight it's the first <laughs> episode we want people coming back
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but just brief takeaways i guess i'll start um so first half was incredibly competitive felt like a playoff game um the warriors being very physical with the nets um i think that kind of messed up the Kevin Durant, to be honest, he ended up shooting six and 19. Easily his worst game of the season. He was a minus 24 on the night. Pretty much the only player that had a good offensive night that I would say is Bruce Brown, who was six and eight for 14. And I guess Harden was okay, but it's just because he got to the foul line. Like I said, the Warriors, as soon as Durant, Harden, and Mills, one of them went to the bench, they dropped back into that two or that triangle and two and the Nets just weren't able to attack it. They didn't know how to attack it. They ended up shooting 38% on the night, and they just got blown out of the water in the third quarter. They couldn't score, and Steph Curry went bananas. That's pretty much my takeaway. Once again, they couldn't rebound. got out-rebounded by double digits. I don't have
1: the exact number off the top of my head. I don't know if one of you do. Quick stat about the third quarter. Warriors outscored the Nets 35-18. to 18.
0: Yeah, you're not going to win a lot of games when that happens.
1: pretty
2: yeah, sure Durant it. was like 0 for 8 in the third oh, quarter. I got it right now,
0: by the way. The Warriors.
2: Yes, he was have rebounded that I 8.
0: 53 to 38. So that's also not a good way
1: to win.
2: Yeah, that's a tough scene right there. Yeah, it was interesting. I noticed they didn't play Aldridge in the first half at all, and they they were trying to say, like, they're trying to match him with the Kevon Looney minutes because Griffin wasn't able to switch well against defenders in terms of, like, when they'd switch with, like, Steph or some of the guards at Pool. But to be honest, I think Blake had a hard time doing the same thing in terms of like sticking with some of the guards like there. Obviously, guarding Steph Curry, like even the league's best defenders can't do it, but it just seemed like he was a little washed out there. And I think that was a case of Steve Nash kind of overthinking it. I think you play your best players possible, especially in a night when you're down Millsap, Claxon, and Joe Harris. I feel like you really can't afford to. Th- not play when like, you're probably third or fourth best offensive player. And I feel like it was a little too late bringing him in the third quarter and you're already down like 15 to 20 in that fourth and four minutes into that third quarter when the Warriors kind of went on a run. And I feel like it was just a little too late. And it was one of those nights where if KD doesn't have a great shooting night, there's not enough offense. And just a very independent note, I just feel like Blake Griffin, aside from the defensive end and the charges he's taken, on offensive end he's been super underwhelming compared to last year. Too many missed threes. Not really getting good shots, and it's kind of just like a dead spot in the lineup in terms of offensive firepower in the, in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think last year the Nets were able to overcome it. Plus, he shot the basketball a little better last year. Actually, I should say a lot better last year. To be honest, he
1: shot, a, he shot a really damn good last year. And I don't know. I feel like when you watch Blake this year, it feels like he has like a hitch in his shot. Like it feels like all like clunky as he's releasing the right. ball, and it's just like, and I feel like. I don't know. He's he's really trying to work that post game and he just really doesn't seem like he has a move that he has a go to move that he knows will work. And it's like it's like the Stephen A talking about Kwame Brown and I don't want to compare him to Kwame oh, Brown. Well, just... But I don't want to compare him to Kwame Brown. But that's Trump. the thing. Like he's like that's <laughs> no, no 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 not that. We love Blake, the leader of the blue collar boys. But he he definitely needs to be better offensively. He's like his last year he was always moving. He was ending up open anywhere along the three point line and you know he's gonna knock down at least half of them.
2: Especially at Celtics. Series, a lot of times like he was
1: right. absolutely and he was he's running in hard for offensive rebounds, trying to get putbacks, cutting to the rim, trying to get open dunks. I feel like we're not seeing that a lot. And I don't know if that's more to do with with um different game planning, but I don't know. Blake definitely doesn't look as good this year as he does as he did last year.
0: First hot take of the hoop ball that's podcast. Joe just compared Blake Griffin no. to Bobby Brown. No. I want that to be known. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> But back into Blake seriously. Last year for the Nets in twenty six games, he shot forty nine point two percent from the field and thirty eight point three percent from three. This year, he is shooting thirty three percent from the field and eighteen percent from Ooh. three. So yeah, he's That's ugly. He's definitely, definitely, definitely been struggling, and he looks hesitant to shoot the basketball.
2: One, everyone if you don't a lot of shooting. I'm Sorry.
0: A lot of shooting is confidence, and he clearly, clearly doesn't have it right now.
2: When everyone comes back, do you think they make a change in the starting lineup to try to, like, shade things up a little bit, like throw Millsap in there for Griffin?
0: I personally would love to see it. I think Millsap has a lot more to offer than the Nets have allowed him to offer. But it's Steve Nash, and he's still pretty confident in Blake. I think I've seen quotes of about Nash stating uh, Blake's shooting is going to get better, which it can't get much worse than 18% from three. So hopefully it gets better. But even if he just can give them something on offense, his defense is just such a great factor. I believe he took three or four charges tonight. (laughs) And in a team that lacks rim protectors, the traditional big that'll block shots, that is a form of rim protection that the Nets need.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Like I feel like they, they could definitely unlock Millsap a little bit more. And I'm sure Griffin will like kinda of shoot his way out of this slump, but just kinda of take some time. And right now there really don't have any other options when there are a couple guys down, like technically four guys down, but realistically three. And I feel like you just gotta hope that the Joe injury is only in, like a week or two with the left ankle sprain. And then apparently I think I've been hearing Claxon's back next game for like a week and a half. Like I'm not trying to like downplay what he has, but I, I honestly just know right. what's going on because it's like <laughs> Every day he's ramping up. He's ramping up. Like when are we going to see this guy fly? Like we definitely can use some some support, especially with Millsap out due to personal reasons.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, Claxton. He's just something I don't think I will ever figure out. He's it's just. I think he overhyped. I feel like he wasn't in shape when the season started, and he's yeah, he's just never in shape. He came into the season out of shape. And then he got the illness, and he wasn't playing, and now who knows what and how long it's going to take. But I also – I don't want to see Aldridge start. I like him coming off the bench with Patty Mills. They obviously I have like that Spurridge connection. Too. So I think him and Mills provide some scoring off the bench if the Nets were just able to get another playmaker to fill a role there.
1: Yeah, that, that, it definitely makes sense. And yeah.
0: – and obviously, the that's very much missed Joe Harris tonight. i um, has been on Joe Harris's ass ever since the Bucs series, and rightfully so from that series. However, he's still Joe Harris, and he is still one of the best shooters in the NBA. I don't care if he had a bad playoff run. It happens. Obviously, you don't want to see it happen in the biggest moment. It's very unfortunate timing, but he's still a 50% three-point shooter. And anytime you take that out of a lineup, you are going to lose offense.
1: This the dude. Nets shot twenty eight percent from three tonight. Yeah, that's actually in the ball games. Ten for thirty six.
0: You're not going to win a lot of games with that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you also got to factor in two of those threes were from Kessler Edwards. So it's right garbage. Like, it's time. Not, yeah, like, it's not like think, it's not
2: like guys you're going to really count on. I think Cam Tom was like 0 for six from three.
1: Over <laughs> five, yeah.
2: Cam Thomas, KD, uh, KD,
1: two for six. Patty Mills, two for five. Harden, two for six. Bruce, one of one. Look at him go. Um go <laughs> for two. Bembry, oh for one. Javon Carter, one for four. Geez, why is Javon Carter taking four threes? I don't even care if they're in garbage time. <laughs> Those were
2: all of his shots.
1: His field goals was one for four, two. He didn't take oh, anything outside of a three. Man.
2: Well, Cody said before about the wings, honestly, I, like looking at the roster just right in front of you right now, they definitely are missing at least another wing guy. Like they just just need, need another ball
1: handling wing.
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's just Benbury great provides great defense. Like I don't know what James Johnson does, but he's there. Um, we got a couple young guys, <laughs> <laughs> Javon Carter. Like I know he's a guard, but like he doesn't provide much in offense. There's a lot of dark holes on this team in terms of offense. There's not a lot of guys they trust. Like it's just they need a couple extra extra bodies. If they could, there's this guy in Washington named Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know if you guys heard of him. Maybe <laughs> if not uh, let him walk for a second round pick could have helped a little bit considering uh, what's going on right now. I'm just kidding. They, would, they didn't know what was going on with this Kyrie stuff. So I don't blame them. This Dinwiddie?
1: is this is um this is also another big thing. Just so you guys get this that the Nets only had 11 turnovers tonight compared to Golden State's 21.
0: You know, I saw and, that the Nets had the Nets had and
1: five
0: we lost by twenty. Yeah, the Nets had six turnovers in the first quarter, and they finished the game with eleven, and they didn't score hundred points.
1: Yeah, Golden is a three. complete roster, though. I'm not gonna lie. Out rebounded by we got out rebound out rebounded by uh by fifteen. Yeah, fifty three to
0: thirty
1: eight. Yeah, at fifteen, they had eight blocks to R two. We had twelve steals
2: to their four. Do you guys consider the, yeah. the uh, Warriors the class of the West? I
1: don't know.
0: That's a little good question. I
2: don't
0: really. So, I like this
1: one. <laughs> yeah, the way I see it is I, I, it's still too early to tell because when you look at like their defense has been historically good so far, especially in this era of the NBA where teams are easily putting up 115 a game. And they're holding teams to like an average of 98 points a game. I don't think that's sustainable over 82 games. And yes, they may have the offense to back it up. But I still don't think that level of defense is sustainable over an 82-game season, which is why I'm kind of hesitant to throw them as the number one. But again, also, I don't know who else I would put as the number one with the struggles of the other Western Conference teams. So again, I still think it's too early to tell. It's like you know, this isn't going to be the same Nets team that we're seeing for the rest of the year. With how we're saying we're not at the elite group yet, because people are still finding their footing. I kind of look at it as the same situation.
0: Right. So I think the entire NBA is completely wide open. Like complete. If you look in the in the West, there are seven teams that have eight wins, which is crazy. Mm. <laughs> might I say? Um, and then even in the East, like you said, this isn't the final Nets team. The Bucs have injury problems. The Sixers obviously lost Joel Embiid. They have the Ben Simmons drama going on. The Celtics, Jason Tatum hasn't been great. They could make a trade. So I think the league's wide open. I will say if Klay Thompson comes back to being Klay Thompson, then I definitely will say that I believe the Warriors are declared number one. And then if the the Nets get Kyrie Irving back, then I say that also changes things. So there's a lot of variables that have to play out before I'm willing to declare anyone the best team in the league.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I just think it's still too early. We're only in November and 15 games have been played. So we're about, what, one-sixth of the way through the season. So there's a lot that can change. But yeah, I totally agree. Um,
2: let's jump too.
0: in. Let's just jump into the quick injury roundup. Obviously, we mentioned Joe Harris. Um, Steve Nash said a couple games, maybe a week. They're supposed to have another image done on his ankle, right? Yeah, That's spring thing. ankle. Yeah, yeah, it's on, his, on his ankle. So it doesn't sound too serious, but you know how the Nets are. And then, obviously, Claxton. I don't, I, don't know if I, would, I don't know if I would call him injured, if I would call him conditioning, if I would just – I don't know. I don't know what to call him, but hopefully he's back soon. And then Paul Millsap's just away from the team on a personal leave. I believe he just had a kid recently.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, what so it was. So con-
0: congratulations to Paul Millsap and his yes. family.
1: Big congrats to Big Paul.
0: <laughs> and then, obviously, Kyrie Irving situation. Um, he's not injured, but he's not with the team. And then Kevin Durant with
1: that shoulder. Something to watch, um, but he, he said yes. it didn't hinder him at all tonight. So. Right. He had it wrapped, but he did say
0: he did not hinder him at all. He could have very easily just blamed his bad shooting night on shoulder, but that's not Kevin Durant for you. He's going to say that he was bad and that he's going to be better. Um, so yeah, his direct quote was, didn't hinder me at all when he talks about his mm-hmm. shoulder in the press conference after the game. So I don't, this, this is weird seeing Joe Harris as pretty much the only injured Nets player that never happens.
1: <laughs> Joe's played like 80 plus games the last yeah. like, four years. There's never seen injury report. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. So like, this is, I mean, it's a good problem. Don't get me wrong. I don't even <laughs> But hopefully Joe gets back soon. I don't care what Nets Twitter says, the Nets need Joe Harris and he will not be getting traded despite everyone trying to say he's on the trade block. No chance. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to throw in for injuries or you want to just jump into the week
2: preview. What a quick, quick, yeah, quick We just jump into the week. Oop. One quick thing. I'm just saying, this Nets team, if they yep. get injured as they did last year, they don't have the depth to back it up. Currently constructed, like they, they... yes, if
0: if if, if they lose Durant or Harden or God forbid both, they're in trouble.
1: Big time. In trouble. That's when Kyrie
2: emerges from the ashes of a burned down Brooklyn. What do you need? Would you need like a, a month ramp up, given how the Nets ramp up, guys? <laughs> I don't think he would need a month ramp up. I think he's keeping <laughs> himself ready, all things considered.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Let's jump into the games that are coming up quickly. Um, so, obviously, tomorrow the Nets play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the the most, Brooklyn
1: at the, the most Clays. beat up team in the league right now. So, yeah, they're they in should be able to win that
0: game marketing is out. Kevin Love is questionable. Due to conditioning, they're saying he's probably going to play. Jarrett Allen is out due to an injury. Evan Mobley is out due to an elbow. And Colin Sexton is out due to a torn meniscus. Jesus. So... Yeah. Honestly, it might be a blessing in disguise that the Nets, if they were going to lose tonight, that they got blown out because Kevin Durant, James Harden, Marcus Aldridge, etc., did not play very many minutes tonight, so they should be fresh and they should all play tomorrow.
1: Yeah, they should be all able to play tomorrow. Yeah, and the fine. Nets,
0: the Nets better take care of that team. And then Friday, they have Orlando, another team to take care of, who also stinks, and the Nets just. <laughs> The Mets I'm not the Mets just beat him <laughs> by 33. So unless Orlando like signs Steph Curry's twin brother that I don't know about, I'm not too concerned about the Orlando magic either. But obviously you gotta play the game and you gotta win. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, then, and then and then there's no games on Saturday and Sunday for the Mets. They take the two days off before they go into next week, but we'll discuss next week at a different date. Yeah. Anything you guys want to throw in there before we end our first episode?
2: Should be 2-0. If they're not 2-0, I'll be pretty pissed off. We do, it, yeah, yeah, if we don't finish this week
1: 2-1, that's an issue.
2: I agree. I would definitely be
0: concerned. But like I said before, the Nets have been beating the trash pandas of the league for the entire season. <laughs> so let's hope it keeps going that way. <laughs> yeah. But, all right guys thanks for joining me this is a blast once again this is the hoop ball nets podcast um please like share subscribe to us we're going to be trying to post two to three podcasts a week you can follow me personally on twitter at real Cody mallory and follow our account at hoop ball nets again that's hoop ball nets and as always let's go nets